0: Hi friend, it's Brittany Moses and Manella Kalagithi, and you're listening to Speaking Our Minds, the podcast that brings you honest and nuanced conversations around mental health, holistic wellness, and the real complexities of what it means to be human in the challenges of today's world, where we have fun, fascinating, and meaningful discussions around how to live a more insightful, connected, and whole life from the inside out, joined by guest professionals, thought leaders, and some of my friends and those with lived experience. As always, we ask that you keep in mind that the views and opinions shared here are respectively held by each individual and is not a substitute for professional care or an alternative to seeking personal help from your clinician or provider and is ours to discern. We're so glad you're here. Follow the conversation on Instagram at Speaking Our Minds Pod and sit with us because we're diving in. This podcast episode is brought to you by We Share by UHSM, a unique healthcare membership on a mission to create holistic wellness for the mind, body, and spirit. I'm honored to partner with UHSM and its community of faithful members. Together, we plan to create more awareness and programs around mental health and the role it plays in our overall balanced health. If you or someone you know is frustrated with their current health care, I encourage you to inquire about membership options at www.weshare.org or call 1-800-900-8476. All right, all right, all right. Welcome back to another episode of the Speaking Our Minds podcast. We're so glad you're here. This is Brittany. And Ranella, today we are talking all about polarization and echo chambers and the factions and chasms that divide us. From is it chasms or is it chasms? Is it chasms?
1: It's chasms. chasms. We are leaving that in. (laughs) You have left so many things in. I know (laughs) better, and I know
0: better. It's okay. That's what happens when you're reading. A little chasm that divide us mm. from living in community even amongst our differences and there are so many differences that we have and that we coexist with mm. and we want to talk about that especially in today's culture where there are so many things that feel like they're dividing us and they can feel overwhelming and it can feel like you know, you just either don't want to say anything or you don't know what to say, or you're afraid that you're going to say the wrong thing. Right. And you're going to lose people and relationships and it can feel very
1: vulnerable and risky and scary. Absolutely. Um, Right. Yeah, no, absolutely. And not to get ahead of ourselves, but, um, you know, we're supposed to be different. We are all, you know, there's so many, types of people in the world, so many cultures, different backgrounds, it's supposed to be that way, but it does pose that one big problem. How do we get along? How do we see from each other's perspectives? And I actually think as you know, as I'm sure we'll talk about just, um, you know, there's a deeper purpose for all of this. And I think our our weaknesses can actually become our strengths um, to come together and actually understand each other. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean,
0: that is where we are truly tested in having a heart like Christ, right? Like Jesus Absolutely. said, it's easy to love people who are like you, right? I'm challenging you to love your enemy, right? That is the challenge of Christ. You know, we're talking about polarization. We're talking about echo chambers, and especially in light of what's happening in our world today. And I think it's important to start with some definitions. So what is an echo chamber? An echo chamber is really a social or digital environment where people are primarily exposed to information opinions and perspectives that reinforce or amplify their already existing beliefs and viewpoints while at the same time excluding different views so in essence it's a situation where people are surrounded by a chorus of voices that echo Mm. their own opinions back to them creating a reinforcing feedback loop so in simple terms an echo chamber means you're just surrounded around voices that are just echoing back the things that you're saying and the things that you're believing and the things you want to hear. Right. And it's keeping you blinded from what other people are seeing and hearing. And so it creates a division where you believe what you're saying is right and what you believe and think is right. And it's the only way. And you have other people who are telling you that, too. And you have other people sides who feel the same way about what they think feel and believe and are also being affirmed by their echo chambers and right. so it creates this really strong division
1: yeah and that um, you know is something that is kind of natural we all kind of grow up in it and we're kind of taught to stay within our group whether it's family whether it's the um, you know the team that we root for whether it's our culture whatever it is that's kind of human nature as we have more connections with people all around the world and we're much more exposed through social media, through other forms of media, travel, international travel, everything, we are confronted with this, um, you know, this challenge to really be able to accept one another. And like you were saying, these echo chambers. If we do stay, you know, if we never go travel, if we never go talk to other people that have different perspectives than us, if we never cross, you know, that bridge and, and talk to someone that doesn't look like us or doesn't whatever has a different religious belief, this causes issues and um, it can lead to polarization. That's one of the things that can lead to it, um, where we are yeah. deeply, you know, divided. And then, you know, obviously it continues the echo chamber cycle. It can lead to misinformation where we are mm-hmm. only watching the same news outlets and the same, you know, um, we're listening to the same people. and. Um, and there can be little fact-checking to challenge that information within a closed network. Um, so it can lead to lots of different challenges that we're going to try to address today.
0: Yeah. And I, and I have to say, polarization polarization itself is not new. That's always kind of existed throughout history. But I think I agree with you. And what you're saying is that like, social media and the digital age has amplified it because now people are more exposed to other ways of thinking and more exposed to differences in general because of social media and that exposure to other people. Polarization goes back to the Protestant Reformation in the 16th century where there was a religious divide between the Catholic Church and the Protestant denominations that led to significant cultural and political polarization across Europe. I mean, they were literally like killing people. If There was literally like a war of Protestants versus Catholics in Europe. So not even when it comes to people of different religions from you, even those who are in the same faith as you, but maybe they go to a different church with different doctrine and different means of interpretation. Mm. Um, We think about the. Civil rights movement in the 20th century where they were there was racial segregation and discrimination in the United States. And there was a cultural divide between those advocating for civil rights and those opposing desegregation and equal rights for African-Americans. And then there was the Cold War, where there was the ideological conflict between the United States and the Soviet Union and their allies led to global cultural polarizations between capitalism and communism. So mm. all of that to say that when we look at the polarizations taking place today, I think we get really overwhelmed by it. Like, oh my gosh, our world is breaking. Something's wrong with our world. And just yeah. to remember that this is actually a repetitive part of history that takes place where we find things that we can be divided over. And I think it's ups up to us to decide if we we're going to be ones who try to bridge those gaps and try to find understandings and solutions forward or if we were going to be further parts of um, these echo chambers and polarizations mm.
1: yeah it's part of being a human uh, this is our human struggle and uh, it also leads to reduced empathy um and and we we find ourselves not being able to empathize with other groups and maybe even dehumanizing them um mm based on the fact that you know it's us versus them they're the enemy uh, and and that's that can be really really difficult like it's easy for us to just like sit here and talk about these ideas and just you know talk about like oh yeah you know as we as we go throughout this podcast but this is this, this is really hard stuff actually oh, yeah. to have empathy to see from someone else's perspective um what we're talking about is emotional intelligence and the ability to sit with very deeply uncomfortable emotions within us and within other people's experiences. And so we're just seeking to for ourselves and for those who are listening uh, to encourage growth and critical thinking and um, an expansive um, mindset when it comes to not only um, being able to understand someone else's point of view, but to see the humanity in people as we grapple with some of these issues.
0: Yeah. And I think, you know, when we're thinking about polarizations and why they're so strong and why we align with our groups, like you said, it's very human, right? It's very human to want to learn and grow with people who think and feel, you know, the same way as you. And it's very like kind of ego boosting to have your amen corners, right? To have that chorus that is singing back to you and validating your praises because you're saying everything that they want to hear, right? But also within these groups. And, you know, we're going into voting season, right? And so politics is probably one of the biggest polarizations that continues to exist. And we think about the intertwining of identity and politics. There is an identity piece in this that makes it so high stakes and so strong for people, Mm. where the relationship between identity and in politics, really is a complex, deeply rooted, you know, relationship in psychological, social, and cultural factors. So people often identify with social groups based on very personal characteristics like race, like ethnicity, like religion, like gender or sexual orientation, nationality, socioeconomic status, right? And so these group identities tend to you know, influence people's political preferences and affiliations. Yeah. So people are going to be drawn to certain political parties, mm-hmm. candidates, or movements that they see as representing or advocating for their own interests or their own identity groups. So it can be deeply intertwined with who we are or the condition of our lives, which makes it so high stakes. So we're also thinking about the effect that, these groups and these decisions have on our livelihood. So it makes yeah, it absolutely. really strong. And though so the flip side of that is that when people perceive that their group identity is being under a threat or under attack, they're going to become more engaged and more polarized, right? And so mm-hmm. some of the benefits, some of the benefits of that polarization are that members of that group can quickly rally to tackle them in threat, you know, or they can feel a stronger sense of psychological security within a group. However, mm-hmm. research has shown that polarization tends to increase cognitive inflexibility, inflexibility of thought you know, where people become less capable of updating their perspective and beliefs upon new information mm. or switching between different ways of thinking. There's little room for middle ground, which is also a task for empathy. So um, that's the other thing. The more that you kind of put your view on someone or exert your view in a very like brash or an extreme way, It's actually just going to rally your amen corner. It's not actually really going to change a person's thought who's on the other side. It's actually going to polarize that person on the other side even more toward their group. And so mm-hmm. that's something to consider. in when we're having these types of polarized conversations, what really is the fruit that we're trying to produce? What really yeah. is the goal? Are we actually trying to meet people and create change and find solutions forward? Or are we just trying to further polarize our sides? Um, and really that lead to kind of no difference or no progress between the two.
1: Yeah. And I think that last part it just hits the nail on the head, which is, do we actually want to see change? And that change really does begin with ourselves. It begins with our mindset. It begins with our ability to, um, you know, have emotional intelligence and have those conversations. And so I'm really excited about this conversation that we're gonna have with Kevin Wilson, who um, you'll learn more about him, but he, is the CEO of Chai. And you might wonder, like, what does Chai have to do with polarization and echo chambers, but he utilizes this form of uh, what brings people together, Chai, to have conversations that really matter. And that allows us to have greater perspectives for ourselves. So I'm really excited. Kevin Wilson, the CEO of Chai is with us today. How are you doing, Kevin?
2: I'm doing well, super excited uh, to jump into all sorts of things today.
1: I'm so excited to are here. Yes, we got Brittany, we got three happy brown people on the call today. (laughs) (laughs) And um, Kevin, you might know Kevin as the CEO of Chai on TikTok. He began uh, his online journey by making videos of of him, him making chai. And also connecting them to really important life lessons as humans. And that goes perfectly well with our topic of polarization, echo chambers, mm-hmm. and how to really live as connected humans in such a divided world. So Kevin, why don't you just start off by telling us your journey? I'm, I'm fascinated by your journey. So I'm really excited about hearing this, but how it all started and where you're at now. I'm just, so excited you're here.
2: Yeah. Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me on the podcast. Really, really appreciate uh, your work, Ranella. I think we've been we've been friends for, for quite some time now. Mm-hmm. And uh, Brittany, I've got to know you through Ranella. Really excited to get to know more about you um, in the coming days, weeks, months, even years, hopefully. Uh, yeah. So a little bit about me. I, uh, I was born in Sri Lanka, lived in Sri Lanka till I was 12, then moved to the Middle East. I lived in Oman. Uh, till I was like 19, and then I came to the states as uh, as a new immigrant uh, to the United mm. States uh, in in to the East Coast uh, in 2008. And so yeah, and that so so because I've kind of lived in different parts of the world, and also before I turned like 25, like I've, I also lived or visited um, multiple countries. After that, I just kind of took on cross culture cross-culture Christian at the time um, Mm. as kind of this kind of brand uh, for myself. And so, and uh, yeah, it's, I've, I've been creating content online since I was like 13 or 14 ever since. Yeah. Yeah. What kind of content (laughs) were you making at 13? (laughs) So I I've always enjoyed uh, just making things and, and learning in public. And so when YouTube came on the scene, I was like, okay, let me get on YouTube, and I started a YouTube channel, and I started making vlogs. Love uh, it. And so I had a lot of. So if you can, if you go up to, if you go to Cross Culture Kev, actually, now you know we I've rebranded. We, we can talk about that in a few minutes. Uh you can see all those uh, pre like vlogs and from from yeah, from back in the day, and be uh, even before the YouTube uh, stuff. I, I I had a my own WordPress started blogging, so wow. I, I always thought that like the best way to learn anything is to create something and then mm-hmm. to put it out there. That's wow. Enough. love it. So, so ahead I, of your time. <laughs> I don't know about that. I was just bored. I had a lot of time.
1: Well, that reminds me a lot of Brittany. Brittany actually, actually also yeah, has just been in the space for a while too.
2: Yeah. I love that. Nice, nice, nice. And so I think uh, the whole Chai thing happened fairly recently. I think it was around 2020. I, I, Oh, God, I downloaded TikTok uh, at the at the time, uh, my, my youth group, some, some kids from the youth group, I was a youth pastor at the time. They said, Pastor Kevin, you should get on TikTok. You know, you, know, you have a vlog, you have a YouTube channel, you, know, you can be famous on TikTok. Too. <laughs> and, and I'm like, you know, I'm not about shaking my butt. That's your calling. You do what you need to do. That's fine. Dad. So God is with you uh, in all things. Uh, that's not my talent and my gifting. So I decided not to get on it. But then, there was a lot of buzz around it, and so I decided to just get on it because I was really, I, I was always interested in like the next next frontier of yeah. online communication or digital communication, and so I was just very curious. So I yeah. downloaded the app, was going through it, and then four hours later, I was like, "Why am I still on this thing?" Uh huh.
0: Like, that is the <laughs> trap of TikTok. That the is trap TikTok. of TikTok.
2: Yeah. And so I then I immediately realized, wow, this is this is. There's an opportunity here. There's attention here. Mm. And so I decided to just make devotional content. It was very simple, 30 seconds. So silly. Christian
0: of you. Very Christian. I love that. Very
2: youth pastor of me. Yeah. Very youth,
0: very yeah. on brand. Yes. Very on brand.
2: And <laughs> I did it, didn't think too much about it. I was just, you know, I was just making stuff just to kind of check the app. And at the time there was like, you know, 20 followers, 25, just youth group mm. kids and friends and family. Then uh, one day I decided to document my chai making process. Uh, I've been wow. making tea since, again, from the time I was 13, 14, um, because, uh, uh, well, mostly because I wanted to I wanted to use chai as a way to connect to my roots. Um, again, mm. I said I was Sri Lankan. And so when I came to the United States at 19, sorry, at 18 years old, I was just really Uh, I was really trying to find routines and rhythms that could connect me back to, to home. And Mm. so I remember my dad making tea for me for us uh, every day. And so he he would do this every day, every morning, make some make a cup of chai for my sister and I, and my mom. And so I decided, hey, I'm just gonna keep making it. And so making chai for me became a very spiritual practice. So one day I decided to just document that whole thing and then start with start a video with the hook saying, "Hey, do you like Starbucks chai tea lattes? Well, (laughs) forget about that. This is how you make the real thing." So I made that video in April of 2020, I believe, and then that video took off. It took off. Wow, the
1: first one that you created
2: about chai, yeah, it took off. Yeah. Kind of crazy. Then I made another video because just to answer people's questions about tea. Like there was nothing about ministry evangelism or anything like that. It was just me just making tea content. Mm, uh, freaking then, love that. Yeah. And then and so I, I just enjoyed making these videos. So I just kept making them. And then another another turning point happened when I started to duet videos. So people would now sit tag me in videos and say, Yo, check this guy's or this person's uh excuse me, chai recipe. And so I would duet it on TikTok. But you know what there was at the time, there was just a lot of vitriol, a lot of just people taking people down on Mm. TikTok at the time when they use a duet feature uh, as kind of a, you know, a a bludgeon against creators. Mm. So I was like, ah, not about that. So let me just duet it and just give people some pointers, you know, some encouragement, you know, for for them to make that next video.
0: So kind. Especially you're talking 2020 this was yes. like height polarization and You're vitriol right. and everything which i know we're going to get into so the fact that you created something that was like so non divisive and so neutral um but was informative and connecting you know um as a starting point i think says a lot
2: yeah you know you, you didn't do this because you know i wanted to fix the world you know it was right. just like me saying hey i'm just going to just going to be like we, i need nice content for myself let me just make the stuff that i need right Mm -hmm. now um and so i made these duets and these duets started to really take off like i'm talking um you know a couple of hundred thousand views in like less than 24 hours it's it's Mm just insane and then there's there's some they've done like million views and i'm like what is going on i'm just dueting with these videos but in the comment section it was a little bit more clear people saying things like i needed to hear that I know you wow. didn't mean it for me but I needed that encouragement thank you for that encouragement you're like the older brother that I never had um you're the youth pastor that I that I should have had but I didn't mm. uh, you are the pastor mm. and all these like really really kind things and I'm just like this is this is so, so this is so kind but also very sad and so then I started and then there were a lot of people who were just there not just for chai, but for other things, maybe a meaningful expression of care through a cup of tea, you know?
1: You mentioned earlier that you kind of switched your branding from cross-culture Christian to cross-culture Kev. And I know that you have so much of a background of history that really supports your view of humanity in general. You come from Sri Lanka, you come from multiple, like you said, multiple different backgrounds. In context of all of that, What do you think happens when as individuals we start seeing ourselves as an island, we start seeing our own experiences as maybe like the right way um, versus, you know, how do we start expanding our view of being able to live in community with one another? Um, Yeah, I know that's a really, uh, that's a lot, but um, but kind of what is, what, what do you think happens when we, when we kind of start isolating ourselves and don't have that expansive view?
2: Yeah. So let me, let me maybe start my response by talking about, um, why the, the name change because that adds and in, that informs some of my philosophies around what you're talking about. Um, uh, hopefully that'll kind of ground it. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, you know i was initially called cross culture christian because at the time i you know i just i identified myself as a christian and I, as a cross culture christian and so i decided to create whatever i wanted under, under that under that uh, branding but in the last couple of years especially during the pandemic i've you know i realized that you know in many spheres of influence and leadership particularly within the american evangelical faith tradition uh, the term christian you know is used to describe somebody or entity with a uh, certain theopolitical imagination that is ultimately characterized characterized by like a this desperation to structure and preserve power um, rather than by the obligation to flourish your neighbor, um, regardless of who they are and what they believe. And so I, I begin to notice that, especially online, like many so-called Christian spaces on the internet became like these bunkers to protect mm. us from them rather than bridges where us and them can dialogue and communicate. Um, and and much of what passes off as these Christian content and media seem, seem to be aimed at prioritizing, you know, conversion over, right. over connection and and feeding on people's fears while, while character uh, and, and just doing all sorts of stuff. And I was just like, man, in the name of Christian, in the name of Christ. And so I was like, you know what? Um, nope. Now, I'm not feeling I given the historical baggage of the term Christian mm. and the subjectivity and the and the beautiful complexity of what is meant by Christianity. And uh, and so I decided to cross-culture kev and suppose cross-culture Christian is a more accurate for our vision to move forward. You know, mm. I, I have this line in the, in, the, in the newsletter that when I talk about this, where I said that even though the chai in my cup may not always taste Christian, uh, I hope you know that the cup is still made by a carpenter. Uh, meaning that. that everything that's coming out of this is still deeply formed by the way of christ so part of that move was to, was because i found that these so called christian spaces were just so insular and so just like it's about us and it's about how we can protect protect power and i just and i just saw how much damage that that it did and it continues to do uh, to not only people outside of the faith but also people within the faith so yeah what uh, how do we how do we uh, how do we become people of empathy how do we become cross cultured individuals i mean i really do think that the chai table and and the food table are like the places mm. where things like racism and bigotry can break down i think even more than the church even more than an institution the the family table is mm. a powerful place for these things to break down uh and so, as a matter of fact, if you actually one of my uh, one of my friends who's a theologian, uh, uh, a really good theologian here at, uh, my, at my at my at my alma, alma mater Andrews University, uh, Dr. Andrew Tompkins, he did he he looked out he looked up every single instance of food in the Bible, and <laughs> found out that almost like ninety nine point nine percent of the time where food is mentioned, it's always mentioned either to Either as a as a as a illustration to talk about a a flourishing of a relationship or the destruction of a relationship. That's so every single time food is brought, a food or beverage, and and it's it makes sense. Like especially in the east, like where you talk about food and and talking about food and and drinking, it's not just a, an exchange of you know uh, of, of food. It's it's an exchange of honor. It's an exchange mm. of uh, in exchange of, of story and it's an exchange mm-hmm. of perspective yeah. that happens. So yeah, the more the the more tables that you've eaten at, the hmm. more cups that you have shared chai with, the more you are, the more better you are in a place uh, of becoming a cross-cultured individual, a person of empathy, a person of courage, uh, a person that is oriented towards the needs of other people. Yeah so that's 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 like a core philosophy of 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 what we need i think uh, and i talk about this talk about this in the book but a core philosophy of what we need moving forward in a post pandemic age yeah I love that. so i have this quote this is quote by author julia gallif and she says you know people often act like soldiers rather than scouts um soldiers mm-hmm. are on the intellectual attack looking to defeat the people who differ from them where victory mm-hmm. is the operative emotion scouts Meanwhile, are like intellectual explorers, slowly trying to map the terrain with others, where curiosity is the driving force. I wow. um, really love that. This this kind of framing of soldiers versus scouts. Uh, if you want people to adopt your beliefs, if you want people, if you want to collaborate with other, other human beings in whatever area, if you don't want to just use people, but you actually being there for them, uh, mm. You need to act more like a scout and less like a soldier, um, more like an explorer, less like an exploiter. Um, and I and you also have to ask yourself like, are you willing to not win in order to keep the conversation going? Right. That's also very important. You know, if, if wow. you go into any co- any conversation, any table, thinking, yeah, I need to win this thing, you're not gonna get a fo- get, get 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 ahead. Uh, you're not. Wow. But if your pri- but but if your highest priority becomes the person in front of you. Uh, when you, you have a person first approach to issues, meaning, can you see the story behind the sentence? You know, can you see the person behind the paragraph? Mm. You know, can you see the human behind the idea? Then even if you don't agree with them, you can still leave the conversation. You can still leave the table with dignity and respect because you've may not have won the argument, but you have won a friend. That is the starting point to any, I think, any, 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 any cross-culture approach to to conversation has to have a human-first human, human first approach. And food and drink and beverage and hospitality becomes a conduit for that, uh, especially wow. from me, from, from my perspective as a South Asian. You know, I know Ranella can attest to this as well. Uh, I think the contribution of the South Asian uh, community to the rest of the world you know and we share this with some other cultures as well is the hospitality
1: mm-hmm. you know this is
2: where we shine uh yeah and you bring that to your faith you bring that to how you view the world it, you know instead of instead of seeing hospitality as an optional kind of a uh, parenthesis uh, a postscript a footnote into your life. What if you incorporate hospitality into, into the, like, into the, op, as an organizing principle of your operating system, of your life operating system? It mm. changes everything, how you approach education, career, vocation, all of that.
0: Yeah. You know, just hearing you talking about the way that you structure your life, right? And the way that you connect with people, you know, as we're talking about polarization, and I I throw this out to kind of all of us to dialogue about, you know, one of the aspects of polarization, um, that that enables it is because we structure our lives in ways where we only hear from people who think and believe and agree as we do. Yeah. And that's essentially what these echo chambers are is that you're only listening to news that agrees with your perspective. You're mm. only looking for things online that agree with your perspective. You're only following people who agree with the way that you want to see things. And that is essentially the confirmation bias that we talked about at the beginning of this month in uh, unlayering, unpacking our biases. Yeah. Um, mm. And so So, you know, we're looking at our world and it's just, it's so bad guys. Like I, you know, we, we recently had, you know, everything that was taking place in the middle East between Gaza and Israel, but then, you know, we also had 2020 with the elections and uh we have like the political polarizations and it, and it's and people love to say like there are no sides there's just this side i'm like don't gaslight me i see sides on the internet you know and right. i see that people are very passionate about this and we even talk about how you know um when it comes to polarization and your factions and your biases Um, It's not just that. There's a part of your identity that is really tied to these things. You really feel like something is at stake. And that's why you're so tied to these. That's why you get angry about these things. That's why you feel defensive about these things because you Mm -hmm. do feel like it is a part of you. Maybe it's a part of your value system. Maybe it's a part of someone that you know and love. Maybe it's a part of a community that you grew up in. And that's why you feel so strongly. Mm. Right. Um, and that part, that part is so understandable. That's why I, I don't judge people because I'm just like, it makes sense why you've landed where you've landed yeah. in your framework of thinking. It makes sense why you lean this way. You know, I, I understand that, but I feel like a lot of people can't even get there. Um, I personally grew up in inner city L.A. That's my cultural background. I've said it throughout Mm. this podcast. I've always been around a diversity of people. You know, the churches I went to out here were super diverse. We saw people of every race. My community was diverse in high school. My friendship group was super diverse. I mean, Mm. gender, race, culture, sexuality, like you name it in terms of like what everybody was living through and what their life experience was. So it was my understanding that a part of life is that you're going to have very different people around you and you might not agree with everyone. Like growing up in high school, I had, you know, uh I was gonna say I had Christian beliefs, but I don't know if I was living by it. But you know, I have my values and my beliefs. And I had friends who didn't have the same values and beliefs, and it was just like okay, well, this is the value I hold for myself, you know, but that doesn't mean I can't be their friend. Like we just, you know, have these differences. So mm-hmm. that was super normalized to me. And so for me, then when I got back, you know, kind of into, um, you know, the church and into certain circles, you know, not all churches. Cause like mm-hmm. I said, some of the churches I went to were really great about embracing diversity, but some circles that I got into, it was very like, as we've talked about, Ranella, like you don't mix light with dark, you know, and you, you bad company corrupts good character, meaning anyone who is different than you thinks different mm. than you has different beliefs, principles, yeah. what have you than you, you know, you do not become friends with them. Like you stay away yeah. from them or you can, you can preach to them, yeah. but that doesn't mean you hang out with them because Jesus right. ta- talked to this. He, Jesus hung with sinners, but they weren't his friends. Like. As if that makes any sense because we're all yep. sinners. But okay, now I'm rambling. All that to say. <laughs> no, good. Now I'm preaching. No, Somebody preach. get me a cup of chai.
1: Yeah. Um, <laughs> you
0: know, all of that to say, coming out of those circles, I really realized how disorienting that was and how much that took me away from who I always was, which was yeah. someone who always valued all people and could be mm-hmm. around people and let those things coexist. But when i see these things online i realize man like we are really vulnerable to get sucked into these echo chambers and to not let other people's right. views coexist and so you guys just any thoughts on like first of all how has polarization like affected you and what you've been seeing online um mm-hmm. and what do you guys think maybe are some like solutions to break out of that or what's kind of helped you break out of that and how has that been good for you how do you think that's good for society yeah, that's wow. a great question.
2: Yeah,
1: I can I can jump in while Kevin's thinking. Um, I have obviously a, a similar background to you, Brittany. And I think that it really comes down to the us versus them mentality. Right. And when I subconsciously uh, adopted that mindset, And it wasn't even malicious, it wasn't even, you know, um, in some ways it was well-intentioned because I wanted to help people, but even within that mentality of us versus them, I'm here because I have something that is just so great that you don't have, Um, but Mm. that still subtly created um, not only a sense of superiority, but um, it really uh, created that divide where I couldn't even be friends and, and, um and and have relationships, friendships with uh, people who thought differently, looked differently, acted or whatever than me. And I think that was really uh, my great loss over over many years was um, just being kind of sheltered in that in that way of thinking. And so I think it's detrimental because it's subtle. it's a thousand subtle mindsets that lead us to, have to that moment where we're having a conversation and that person to us um, is valued less, their way of life is valued less, their perspective, their experiences are valued less because of of all of the mindsets that led up to this moment. It's not just one thing, but one of those major things is us versus them, like Kevin was saying, agendified, you know? um, and, And I think what, like, if that can't break down, I don't think true community is possible and and, and true understanding and, and really having solutions to move forward personally and in society so that's that's something I think about often and ways that i'm challenging myself all the time. Uh, presently to to be exposed more to all kinds of cultures and all kinds of ways of living and being and, and thought, uh, but also recognizing we're all on the same playing field
0: at the end of the day. Mm, mm, and can mm, I, and I want to add, cause I, and I want to hear from Kevin on this too, really quickly to clarify. I think a lot of times when we talk about this, people think we're talking about believers versus non-believers or people in mm, the church yeah. versus people at the church. I'm not like, I'm also talking right. about within the church because over the past right. few yes. years, there's been so much division within the church of people not being able to accept that there are people who have a variety of thought within the church who still consider themselves Christian. There's been a lot of talk of if you're a true Christian, you believe this. And if you don't believe that, then you're not a true follower of Jesus. And so I'm talking about within the faith as well. I mean, we have so many different denominations in ways that people interpret and translate and create doctrines from that. I found that when people say this is truth, they're actually saying, this is what my doctrine is, you know? Mm. Um, and so just want to throw that out there. I'm Absolutely. talking about in all aspects, in all subcultures, in ways in which we have to coexist with people who have different thoughts than us.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I mean, it's, uh, That's 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 so true. How do you deal with polarization? I mean, it's this is an ongoing thing for me because for me, you know, if you if you look at my content, yeah, on one 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 pillar is me just you know talking to dueting with somebody who you know was making a really bad cup of chai and just telling them, "Hey, it's good," and the very next video is me uh, calling out the Sri Lankan government for their atrocities.
0: There's no in between.
2: (laughs) And then the next video is me uh, talking about, you know, the pumpkin chai recipe. And then the next video is me talking about the colonial history of pumpkin spice. You know, it's like, bro, what are you doing? (laughs) You know, content creation for me is essentially befriending my story. Um, That's been, that's why I I do the things that I do. But I try as much as possible to be there for as many people as possible. Mm. But the moment that, the moment when that, that changes is when, When you see dehumanization happen, when you see oppression happen, when you see people get hurt, when you when you see people groups, but this doesn't matter who they are, Christian, Muslim, whatever it is. When you see atrocities happen, then my index has always been pain. Like, who are the who are the people who are suffering? Who are the people who are hurting? I'm going to be in my voice, my soul, my being is going to be indexed towards towards them. And so that's what um, that's what uh, moves me forward. And then after that, uh, you'll have to think through information like data points. Okay, so that's good. I'm right. there. That's my default setting. Then I tried to figure out. Okay, okay, what's what are the arguments on the other side? You know, so that's another practice moving forward. So again, lean, lean into your bias or lean into whatever you're what that you're feeling in that moment. Sure, fine. But before you post anything, before you talk about something, uh, take a step back and try to f- try to hear, empathize with the side that that is mm. that you're not for. Uh, right, just the hardest thing It's one of the hardest things yes. ever. Like, and for me, that means getting going to the logic, like going to the nuts and bolts of of their logic and their reasoning. I might not, I might not have an emotional investment in in them, um, but. I would love to know their logic. What's your logic? So, allowing, so once you get the facts and the figures, now then you can take that and then you can take your empathy and then now you'll have to make some choices. Okay. You, you, this doesn't now mean that you have to like now pick a side, you know, yesterday, but this does mean that you need to, you need to know like at, at some point, you need to know like why you believe what you believe and who are you going to support? Now, also, let's just say you make a choice and say, hey, I'm going to support this group of people because they're hurting. That doesn't mean that you don't care about the rest of the people. No, you don't. Right. Exactly. And, and social media, I and I say this like, I hate social media. I've come to a point Same. where I'm just like, <laughs> it's not even a love-hate relationship. It's more of like a hate-hate relationship right now. The only reason yeah. that I'm on social media is because it is a distribution tool for me. If I had, if I had my own way, I would be in the village making chai and reading books. Yes. That's, that would be my life. I think we found your retirement plan. (laughs) That's it. And, and some pickleball. I would love to be a pro pickleball at at some point, but (laughs) that's a whole different conversation. But social media really reduces people into paragraphs. Yes. It reduces stories into sentences. It it reduces stories into sound bites, And now with the stuff that's coming out of Gaza with all these pictures and images, it's like, oh my gosh, it's, it's a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot. So, um, so having the informed p- p- perception is good outside of social media. Read up on research. Read up on different things. Get informed. And after you're informed, then you'll have to now put boundaries. Okay, When at what point are you stopped going to, are you going to stop using social media? At what point Mm. are you going to use social media in the morning when you wake up? Because the, the, what you put in the, what you, what you, what you look at in the morning is going to index the rest of the day for you. Okay. You're going to watch some, anything on social media. That's, that's your, your, it's, you're going to, it's going to really influence the rest of the day for you. What's your cutoff point? Do you have a bedtime for your phone? Do you have a bedtime for your social media use? Mm. You just have to, at this point, you just have to, you just have to make those, make those boundaries. I don't post my stuff anymore, like for my own stuff. I actually pay somebody to post my own things. I just create. Um, I'm on social media like I I am, but I'm really trying to reduce that. So monitoring your social media is going to be another another important factor. Um, And also the other thing, now long-term, I would also ask you like, how many people are in your contact list? How many people are in your close friend list who don't believe like you do? Exactly. But they're friends. Exactly. But they are friends. Yes. They would they would I have people like mm. that in my close friends I'm, I'm talking about the green sign on your Instagram. You know, I'm talking yeah. about that priority. Like I have like a good like a third of the people in there who I know do not resonate with like 75% of I put it out. They don't. Wow. But they are there because I know that they care about me, that I care about them. So that's a check for you. How many people love that? are in your contact list, just look through the people that you, Also, the other thing, the practice right now, practice is go through your phone. We don't have to do this right now, but if you're listening right now, like go through your phone, look at the text messages in the last like week. What are the conversations that you're having and who are you having them with? At least like do a percentage of like the people that you're talking to. And you realize that the same, and oftentimes the same people who critique about the echo chambers, they don't realize that they are in the echo chamber themselves. But their echo chamber is friends who think like them, friends who believe like them, you know, friends who act like them and talk like them. And for someone like me, where my pendulum has swung from like going in, going from places where it's like hyper conservative, hyper, hyper just like, you know, closed, uh, closed perspectives on things to like now I want really leaning towards people who are more open and progressive. My challenge is to kind of scale back a little bit, like a little bit at a time to kind of go back to. Mm. leaning to some of these other communities it's hard for me but it's healthy for me yes. because if i really want to practice what i preach about empathy and things like that i need to have friends who don't agree with me i do need to have that for my for the for the betterment of my soul people who don't believe with me people don't agree with me but people mm. are willing to journey with me who care about me you they, those friends are going to be so key uh, to have it's a blessing when you find those people so that will be that will be kind of long term practice and that's also undergirded by the fact that Jesus, You know, when I look at his uh, disciples, on the one end, you have Simon the Zealot, who is, you know, if you think about, uh, if you try, want to try to uh, draw a political comparison to today, he's like Hamas, but like a uh, hundredth like level. So not Simon Peter, Simon the Zealot, who is on that side, right? Okay. And then you have Matthew, the tax collector, on the other side, and he's like, throw Mm. Israel like he is Israel to the core like that's kind of how I want you to think about like these are polar opposites of a political spectrum Mm. and yet Jesus had these guys in his table all the time and you got Judas uh, who's Hmm. who's probably the most qualified of all the disciples and we know how that ended right so I don't know what this guy Jesus did I don't know (laughs) what he did but whatever he did it created a movement that's still the strongest movement in the history of humanity, for better or for worse. It is. Mm. And so um, so that reminds me, at least at the, at the most practical elementary level, I need to look at my table and I need to look at who I'm eating food with. Who am I drinking chai with? Who am I having rice and curry with? Are those mm. people just like me? Are most of them like me? Are most of them not like me? What is the percentage let's diversify the table
0: Mm. wow that was so good
1: i i need to let it all sink in that was so practical thank you so much for that because i'm going to go back and listen to all of this myself too it's an incredible challenge for each of us because we can talk about these things but at the end of the day what takes the most courage is actually stepping out and starting to take some of those actions and so um I wanna share one of my key takeaways, maybe Brittany can too, and then would love to hear um, just to tie it all up a little bit more about where we can get more information on your book and um, and all of that. But I think one of the things that stood out to me the most, besides everything that you just said, was uh, the word that stood out to me is curiosity. Curiosity Mm. over judgment. Mm. Um, Not only, uh, and I, I really deeply believe that this is not just a work that starts um, externally, it it starts internally. Where yep. do I, where can I have more curiosity about myself, where I stand, my own beliefs, my own perspectives, my own judgments towards myself, yep. being it, working on sitting within that, you know, mm. um, that that can overflow to others when we're allowed, when we give ourselves permission to be curious instead of Judgmental about who we are. Um, I think the most judgmental people externally are the people that are most judgmental towards themselves. And so flipping right. that starting within um, curiosity is is kind of my takeaway um, from this. Love yeah.
0: That. I think my takeaway is I'm going to merge a couple things that were said. One, definitely diversifying your table. I have found that so important in my life because that is actually what's going to break down polarization echo chambers. And like you said, Kevin, you mm-hmm. know, there are people who think they have diversity of that. They think that they're not an, an echo chamber, um, but it's like, mm-hmm. look at your table. Mm-hmm. Um, and that will, t- that will actually tell you the truth. Like to get really honest with yourself are you really taking in other perspectives and the second part that i'm tying into this is what you said about empathy
2: mm-hmm.
1: and
0: that is that you know you actually might not be able to um, exactly imagine what it is like to be in someone else's experience, right? Mm-hmm. And you might even have some biases about their experiences. A- and part of it is believing people's experiences, mm. you know, and believing people's stories when they're telling you, this is what I've experienced. This is what I've gone through, mm-hmm. you know, because of my cultural background or mm. because of spaces that I've been in or whatever it is, even if that hasn't been your experience, yeah. that doesn't mean that it is non-existent and it isn't true and so i think that's another part of breaking down all of this polarization is being willing to believe people's experiences and stories even if it's not yours um and being willing to believe that it could be true you know, and, and giving people that benefit of the doubt, even if you, even if you don't want to agree with it, even if you don't want it to be true, you know, and, and having our conversation about even church experiences. And I love what you said about the institution. We cannot put the institution above people, Mm -hmm. you know, above human beings. Um, and I know people get upset when you talk about things like people's experiences, in the church or with Christianity like why are you why are you making the the institution sound bad and it's like no i've equally had really great experiences we've talked about great things that come from it and the community that comes from it but also believe people's freaking stories when they right. tell you yep. that it has these different various parts have harmed them or affected them or um yeah just um haven't been haven't been good you yep. know Be- believe it And it's okay to tell it because we tell, we want to put people first. And as James Baldwin says, I love this quote ending on this. He says, the very reason that I basically, um, criticize America is because I love her. Mm. Right. And so it's that idea. Like if people are speaking on it and it seems like they're criticizing it, it's not because you know, they hate it or whatever. It's because we love the people that are in it and we want to see healing and community and harmony.
2: Yeah.
1: That's beautiful.
2: Amazing. Oh, it's so good. It's so good.
1: Thank you so much. Tell us about the book and kind of like your overall vision for it.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So the book was, uh, it was not initially planned at all. I knew that I wanted to write a book at some point, uh, but it would certainly I had, not, I had no idea that it was going to be about tea and chai. Um, <laughs> and so what started off as a series of, I would say just like email newsletters to my besties, <laughs> my community. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> yeah, no. Like
1: Swifties, like, you yeah. know, you got to have a name.
2: <laughs> yeah, this is what the community wanted to describe themselves. I did a poll. And so we've, we've chosen the whole, this is, this is what they wanted to call themselves. I said, All right, fine. Let's just do it. Uh, so yeah, we, uh, so what started off as a series of newsletters where I would focus on, yeah, uh an aspect of the ch- of chai making of, of the chai making process, and then I would connect it to something about my life or what's going on. Eventually, became this book. Uh, the book is called "The Way of Chai: Reflections or Recipes for a Meaningful Life." And mm. each there's like fifteen chapters, I think. Yeah, fifteen chapters. And each chapter deals with a specific aspect of the chai making process, and then be connected to. Uh, an element of what makes for a meaningful life in a post pandemic age. Oh my gosh. So so cool. Right. And so, and, and each chapter also is deeply integrated with, with either my story or a story from the South Asian experience. Mm. So people get to, so what we wanted to create was just like this world uh, where people can immerse themselves in as endless journey that they can take from beginning from the cup all the way till they finish drinking the chai. So there's fifteen different chapters. So it's kind of like a, a topography of meaning. It's like a map of meaning where people can actually stop by in different parts, and they can, can and they can just hang out if they want to, and think mm. through the think through those ideas, and then maybe go to the next chapter, um, or next you know vista point or vantage point that they can see a new kind of vision of the land. Um, and each chapter has its own chai recipe. Uh, that's kitchen tested. Uh, that's that you can make it make from the comfort of your home. So yeah, Love that's that. that's basically the book and the vision the vision behind the book was for people to recognize that uh, they are not you know an island you know they are a continent they are mm. they are their their stories are not just isolated incidents their stories so beautiful uh, it's a tapestry of griefs and joys and hopes and 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 longings and all of that is beautiful. All of that is, is worth it. All of that is, is things to be celebrated. And so that's, and I wanted to, and I wrote the book. So it's in a way that like, I'm having a conversation with them over a cup of chai. Like that's the, yeah. same, that's the situation. And we're kind of walking through this, this thing called life. We end the whole book with grief, um, mm-hmm. our meditation on grief, on sadness and, um, and and uh, and just kind of thinking through you know the the, the past few years and whatever what that has done to our psyche and our souls. And right. so, yeah, so, that it's a it's a it's a project it's it's uh man it's probably the one thing that i've worked on the most um in my life and congratulations
0: books are no joke they're no freaking joke
2: yeah this is it right here actually oh my gosh i love it oh
1: that makes me so happy i it mine's pre-ordered already i pre-ordered we're gonna have to do a giveaway yeah that would be awesome
2: no thank you so much for this conversation it's you know, when you, when you have these conversations, it just, it reminds you at least me, it reminds me of the things that I know, but more so the, the knowledge gaps that I have, you know, as I'm talking about these things, I'm reminded, like, I'm thinking about like the many things that like, I just don't have clarity on, you know, and uh, there's just so many questions. And so I guess what I will tell people is to, you know, lean into the discomfort. Um, mm-hmm. I think, uh, I think as a as a culture, our culture as a whole, especially here in the West, you know, it uh, it has demonized any any hint of inconvenience, um, either uh, either in the area of materialism, like you know, Amazon Prime yesterday, Amazon Prime last week, like we need mm. something like like we need yeah we are so indexed towards like the here and now. And anything that doesn't allow us to just get the answers that we need right away right now is, uh, is demonized. Um, So lean into the discomfort, lean into the inconvenience of like not knowing. Um, And so that's going to be, that's going to be key. If you feel like I don't have the answers, if you feel like, man, I want to be there for this people group. I just, I just don't, I don't know. That's okay. That's, that's really okay. In the end of the day, uh, look at the human being in front of you uh, and and, and see what you can do to, um, I love what uh, Andre Truck is uh, a French pastor who saved thousands of Jews during World War II. He said this beautiful line. He says, work and look hard for ways, for opportunities to make little moves against destructiveness. Mm. Love that. I just absolutely love that framing. It's like work and look hard for ways and opportunities to make little moves against destructiveness. So whatever that looks like, whatever those little moves uh, look like for you, Mm. do those things. Uh, It's a comment. It's in the comment section, whether it's a a text message that you send to somebody that you haven't talked to in a while because, you know, you have, there's there's baggage there or whatever it is. Like what little moves against destructiveness can you practice and can you employ today for you? And I
0: freaking love that. Yeah,
2: yeah. So that's something that's uh, that's probably uh, the last thing I would uh, leave you with. That's
0: perfect, beautiful. Yeah, it can be so overwhelming. So I love the little moves. Love that.
2: Yep.
1: Well, thank you so much again for being here, and not only just for this short time that we've shared, but also all the little thousands of little ways over the years um, that you have um, been that light um, and and are continuing to spread. Uh, this message to the world and speaking of that how can we learn more about you and
2: get your resources what what i'm holding right now i'm actually holding the book right now uh, is again a it's not just me even though my name is on here it is a product of so many communities so many histories Mm. so many stories so many moments all distilled into 15 different cups of chai for you so and fifteen different vantage vantage points into this into this adventure that that we can go on together, and so yeah, if you if you want to get into that, uh, uh, thewayofchai.com, thewayofchai.com has the pre-order link. Uh, it's out for pre-orders right now. Uh, November fourteenth is the release date, and for those who pre-order, uh, you can actually there's also a link in my bio at Cross Culture Kev. You can find me in Cross Culture Kev on all platforms there's a link in my bio where you can upload a, a copy of your receipt and you get to get into a mailing list where i'll send you an email for a free chai masterclass where we'll make chai together oh Ooh. that yeah.
0: sounds i want to I yes,
2: join your masterclass so <laughs> Yeah, that's not a giveaway. This is actually for anybody who right. buys the book. Literally anyone nice. who buys the book, this is this is this is what you can get. Just uh, all you need to do is just to go through the website, just upload your receipt with your information and email. And yeah, you will you'll get the invite and we'll go from there. So thank you for supporting this journey.
0: Oh, thank you so much for sharing all your wisdom, for sharing your time with us. And thank you guys for listening. Until next time. Hey, if you enjoyed today's episode, let's continue the conversation and stay connected on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, or YouTube, all linked in the show notes below. Let us know your thoughts or leave a review on the podcast. Your feedback really does mean so much to us. Until next time.